Population aging is um, very much in the news, as you may have gathered. Um, uh, it is, a part, among other things, part of the great package of reforms which is being forced upon the unhappy people of southern Europe and elsewhere in the Eurozone as a consequence of trying to contain the costs uh, which population aging and previous rather over-generous attempts to compensate for it um, have uh, generated in, in their economies. And so it's a matter of great topical interest. And if you ever bother to turn on your televisions and look at the news or read a newspaper, which I know some of you are rather averse to doing, then you will see it is splurged all over the front page. It's very much an issue of, of the present time um, has been engaging us for quite a long time uh, and will continue to do so for quite a long time into the future. Important to realise that it is totally unavoidable. Some degree of population ageing is absolutely inevitable. There's nothing we can do about it short of bombing ourselves back into the Stone Age. Uh, and it is a consequence of two highly desirable trends. Uh, that is to say, uh, the achievement of control over, uh, over fertility to a very large extent, to bring down birth rates to a manageable level, uh, one where children can be brought up in conditions of security and material comfort uh, and, um, and prosperity. Uh, the the, the very, also very desirable uh, effect of control to some extent of mortality. We haven't quite abolished it yet, uh, but mortality is now well into the future as far as you're all concerned. Um, uh, babies born today have a 97% chance of surviving to, to age uh, uh, 65 or so. Um, um, babies born today may well have a cohort life expectation only a few short years uh, of 100 uh, according to the latest projections. Um, centenarians are going to be commonplace in the future unless something uh, quite unexpected and disagreeable happens to uh, the uh, uh, risks of mortality. So uh, two very good things which we hope we will keep uh, for, the, for the rest of the history of humanity, but they have the consequence, the payoff uh, of population ageing, uh, and that is unavoidable. Um, important to realise, though, <coughs> that to begin with, population ageing is highly beneficial. If we are talking about uh, a simple society with uh, a very high proportion of, of uh, population aged under, under age 15, dependent children, um, as is the case still in some parts of tropical Africa and was the case until quite recently uh, very, very widely throughout the world, uh, then, of course, population ageing, which reduces the proportion of, of dependent children um, uh, and increases the proportion of, of adults, uh, is very beneficial. Um, well, what happens is, of course, in the early stages of demographic transition, that the number of babies becomes more modest. Uh, the number of old people does not expand because they, of course, were born 60, 70, 80 years ago, and therefore their numbers are still quite small. So for a while, for some decades, we have this demographic bonus, this concentration of population in, in the nominal working ages between, say, 15 and, and 60 or, or thereabouts, uh, which if there are institutions um, appropriate in the economy, enable a very considerable improvement in living standards to be generated because uh, the, the, the workforce becomes so relatively high compared with the rest of the population. That is what uh, the uh, industrializing and developing nations of, of, of Asia are in the middle of at the moment, and, and many calculations suggest that um, perhaps, perhaps a third of their prosperity uh, increase over the last few decades has been due to this demographic bonus. In due course, it has to be paid for. We've enjoyed our demographic bonus of a much more modest kind uh, in the late 19th and 20th centuries. We are paying for it now in the 21st century with population aging. They will pay for it in turn in the coming decades. For the moment, they can, as it were, enjoy it uh, and, and it contrib contributes to their prosperity. You can only do so, of course, important to add, uh, if the institutions are, are present to enable the, the workforce to be employed. This means stable government, uh, the rule of law, enforceable contracts. Um, 
workable infrastructure, roads. Um, uh, South Sudan has 58 miles of metal road, not a very uh, helpful um, precursor for enjoying a demographic bonus. Um, a, a work ethic, all these things have to be in place before this, this, this uh, uh, enlargement of the work, working age population can be usefully uh, devoted to increasing national prosperity. Otherwise, it'll simply turn into disaffected, um, unemployed, uh, 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 and possibly violent young men. <coughs> Also important to realize that population aging doesn't go on forever. If we ignore the death rate for the time being, uh, if, if, if birth rates stabilize at some low level, um, below replacement or whatever it might be, population aging does not go on getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, you recall perhaps from uh, pre previous um, uh, discussions about these matters that eventually the population age structure will stabilize uh, determined entirely by the, cu the, the current levels of birth and death um, that's all that determines uh, the, the age structure in the long run. Uh, so if birth and death rates remain constant, even if they're quite different from what they were in the past, population aging will proceed uh, until, uh, until the new age structure has become stable, and then it will remain constant uh, for as long as the birth and death rates remain constant. It doesn't always get worse and worse. It does come to an end. This is just a... A reminder that they knew about this back in the 1930s. This is a diagram uh, from uh, the Population Investigation Committee, which publishes population studies back in 1936, just to show uh, what they thought might be happening up to 2055. A very adventurously long-range projection here, showing the, the, the change in the proportion of young people uh, in, in, uh, in red, uh, the change in the proportion of people of working age in, in, in white, and, and the proportion of the elderly uh, um, in black. A very pessimistic projection, but, but they were aware of it, even if then the primary concern in relation to low birth rates related to population decline and not population aging, of which more later. If we wanted to go back um, to... Um, previous uh, patterns. If we wanted to abolish population aging because we thought it was, it was too onerous, uh, too difficult, too expensive, uh, then this is the kind of age structure we'd have to go back to. This is the population age structure um, of about 1700. Um, at that time, before the demographic transition, population aging wasn't a problem. There was a certain element of youth dependency. Uh, here we have um, um, uh, the proportion of persons aged uh, under 15 is about 60, is, is about 35 percent. Proportion of people aged over 65 is about 5 percent. So no population aging, some youth dependency, but um, that is bought at a cost of an expectation of a life at birth of 37, infant mortality rate of about 200, um, and um, a, a zero growth rate. So it, it's not a, a very desirable uh, population age structure to go back to, given the cost of being there in terms of low expectation of life at birth uh, and the high birth rate, which had to be sustained. Two processes of, of, of population aging, um, two causes. Up till now, the most important cause of population aging has been relatively low birth rates, so-called aging from the bottom. That is to say that fewer and fewer individuals are added at the bottom of the population pyramid, uh, and that causes it to become narrower at the bottom than it is in the middle. That's, that's so-called aging from the bottom. And that always makes populations older. Low mortality also can make populations uh, um, uh, older because, of course, it, it means more people are living to a longer ages. But to begin with, it always makes populations younger. It's very important to grasp this apparently paradoxical fact uh, that in traditional societies, that when the, when the death rate starts to go down, assuming the death rate is going down generally across the board, uh, then that makes the population younger. 
Because, of course, uh, in traditional societies, the, the, uh, the uh, a high proportion of deaths are concentrated in the younger age groups. Uh, infant mortality, maybe 200 or 300 uh, infant deaths per 1,000 live births per year. Survival to age 15, maybe nearly 50%. Um, in the nature of things, even if mortality is improved at all, at all ages, the, the, the great um, uh, effect is going to be at the younger ages, there will be more uh, children surviving, more young people surviving, more uh, young women will survive to complete their families, more births, uh, and consequently um, reducing uh, the death rate, making people live longer, uh, will make the population younger, not older, until the population uh, reaches a, an expectation of life of about 60. Once you go beyond that threshold, then, and only then, will further improvements in mortality actually do what you expected it would do right at the beginning, that is to say, uh, make populations older and not younger. Here is the... Um, uh, the, the basic process involved, the, the, the transition from, from uh, uh, these are crude birth and death rates of about 35 back in 1750 uh, to much lower levels at the present time. The sort of pattern which has been followed throughout Europe more or less and which has been followed by the, the greater part of, of, the, of the, um, uh, the developing world. In all developing countries, the death rate's gone down. The problem, of course, is that in some of them, the birth rate has not gone down, so we still have 2 or 3% population growth, as you know, in some parts of Africa, um, and we haven't got yet to uh, uh, the, the final stages of transition. Not we know exactly what the final stages are, because it is not yet stable, but that's uh, another question for another time. <coughs> Just an example of two contrasting populations, um, a traditional one here which has experienced uh, some reductions in mortality, this is Uganda uh, 1991, but not yet a reduction in fertility, very youthful uh, population, uh, no, no trace of population aging there because no trace of fertility control uh, and a contrast with Italy um, which could be replicated in many other um, develop, developed countries in Spain, Portugal, Greece and, and elsewhere with uh, a very severe population aging arising from two sorts of processes, primarily aging from the bottom, as you see, the, the, the birth cohorts being successively smaller uh, than the preceding ones, but also in the case of Italy, Spain, and the other countries of southern Europe, uh, aging from the top at the same time, becoming more and more important as time goes on um, because the expectation of life at birth is, is, uh, is so favorable. And we're now in a position where uh, f f further improvements in mortality are mostly concentrated in survival at older ages because survival up to age 60 is nearly perfect anyway. If you abolished mortality up to age 60, it really wouldn't make much difference, the age structure. All, all the impetus is, is happening here. The patterns of fertility are, are well known, just to rehearse them very briefly, um, because patterns of fertility are, appear to be stabilizing to some extent uh, in, in, in a highly differentiated pattern. This is generating, unless things change very radically, um, uh, very significant uh, differences in expected patterns of population aging in the developed world. Generally speaking, of course, the higher the birth rate, uh, up to the limit of around two, as you can see here, here's two on the graph, uh, up to about two, uh, that gives you a reasonably favorable uh, future in population aging. It doesn't stop population aging, of course, but it's less severe here in terms the burden of, of old age dependency. Down here, where the birth rate's about, uh, or the TFR is equivalent to about 1.4, um, that implies a much more substantial levels of population aging and also, um, bar very high levels of immigration, uh, population decline as well, which has already begun, uh, as you'll recall, in Germany, in Japan, uh, in Ukraine, um, in, uh, and various other countries in, uh, in Europe and, and elsewhere. Some uh, are doing better. 
the new Europe's, Scandinavia, the UK. Uh, some are doing less well here in the Far East with rather little improvement in, 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 uh, in, in uh, facility yet apparent. Uh, and, and right down at the bottom with, with Taiwan, uh, the lowest uh, at about uh, 1.0 uh, TFR. Important to realize that birth rates can go up. Um, here are some selected ones uh, approaching uh, the TFR of, of 2.0, nearly at period replacement rate. No one really expects that birth rates in developed countries uh, will go much above 2. And in fact, most of my colleagues feel that they probably won't even reach that and say that they may be a bit disconcerted by this, this, this trend to a somewhat higher birth rate. Partly to do with, with, with fertility recuperation, partly to do with immigration. Expectation of life at birth, of course, has been increasing impressively as time goes on, rather falteringly to begin with. Uh, this is 1850, 1860, 1870. Um, uh, only very modest improvement as population moved into the high-risk urban areas. Uh, very rapid improvement uh, between the two world wars uh, and then steady change of a more modest kind up to the present time. With um, uh, particular improvements, uh, as I mentioned, above age 65 in recent years, um, from 1850 to about oh, 1920 or so, almost no improvement in survival at age 65. Very, very, very uh, modest uh, changes. And then, first of all, among females, then among males, uh, progressive improvements in, 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 uh, in survival. This is where all the action is these days, given that mortality uh, really uh, is, is very modest indeed up to about age 65. And this keeps on going up and up and up. Um, and we don't yet know what the limit's going to be. These are the latest projections of expectation of life at birth for the UK. Uh, um, the, the, the actual figures uh, from 1985 up to 2010, projected figures from 2010 onwards. Um, this is fairly typical of, of, of developed countries. And as you can see, the, 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 the pattern is, as always, different between males and females, with females having uh, uh, the females in red and in, uh, in um, um, orange experiencing fa more favorable survival than males in dark blue and, and pale blue. The pale uh, colors, the, the orange and the blue at the bottom, uh, are period expectations of life at birth. This is, as you know, simply the, the, the calculation of the, of, of the expectation of life at birth which you would get if a person experienced the current age-specific mortality rates of the particular calendar year in question. You imagine, for example, that someone is living through the age-specific mortality rates uh, which are obtaining in England and Wales at the present time, um, and, that's, and that's what this period calculation is. If, however, you build in uh, assumptions about future improvements in, 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 in survival, um, uh, survival improving by about 2% per year uh, in the life table, then you can create a, a projected cohort life table what would be the expectation of life at birth of children born in a particular year? Um, were they to experience age-specific mortality rates improving um, at, say, 2% per year, as they have been over the last few decades? And if you do that, this is what you get. That if, uh, if you take babies born about 2010, according to the projected cohort expect, uh, expectation of life, which are these two lines here for females and for males, um, then then you already have a, a figure of about 94 for females and about 80, uh, uh, about 90 for males uh, pr projected uh, <coughs> to 2035, which is not that far in the future, uh, to about 97 for females and about, um, uh, what's this, 94 for males. So really approaching the, the possibility of, of a, a normal expectation of life at birth um, for babies born around now, very close to 100. This may not come to pass. It's a projection. 
Uh, projections are always wrong, uh, but nonetheless, they may not be very wrong, uh, and this opens up all sorts of really interesting possibilities for, for, um, uh, for ageing at the top uh, from, from the reduction of mortality at older ages, and therefore for, um, for the questions of old age care. Very much dependent, of course, upon the extent to which these additional years of life are going to be years of active life where people continue to work uh, older and older as they live long, longer and longer, or alternatively, if they're going to be uh, confined, uh, uh, drooling in wheelchairs for a, a, a high proportion of, of, of this expectation of, of life increase. Uh, it's got to be the former, not the latter. Um, this is just an historical sequence to show the sort of pattern change which we've experienced in many European countries, particularly those with low birth rates uh, over the last hundred years or so. This is uh, Austria going from 1869 to, um, uh, to in, this, in these three to 1934. This is a traditional kind of Christmas tree age structure before much has happened in the demographic transition. This is uh, 1869, this is 1910. Uh, by 1934, things have started to happen. First of all, there's been damage. Uh, the, the, the age structures of European countries in the, in the 20th centuries are all terribly damaged, with a very few exceptions, uh, by, by warfare and by depression. You can see here the bites taken out of the male age structure uh, in 1934, arising from military deaths uh, in, the, in the First World War from 1914 to 18, not paralleled by a reduction on, on, the, on the other side. Uh, these are the dearth of birth, the reduction in the birth rate occasioned by the, um, uh, the, the First World War, 1914 to 1918, these, these, these being now about uh, age 18 in 1934. And here is the reduction in the birth rate uh, after the, the First World War, uh, causing, causing uh, ageing uh, from, from the bottom in, in, in the manner that I, I described earlier on. This is the middle of the, uh, of the 20th century. By 18... 1951, uh, we've experienced more damage. Um, here's, here, here are the military casualties of the First World War. Here is the birth death of, of the First World War. Um, here is the, uh, the, the birth death of, of the Second World War. And here's further reductions uh, in, 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 uh, in fertility, causing more aging from the bottom. Then we have a partial reversal. By 1971, we have the evidence of the baby boom. The baby boom, this once-for-all transient increase in the birth rate, uh, rising partly out of the greater popularity of marriage, which began in the, in the 1950s, ended in the 1970s, a one-off um, uh, 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 event, quite impossible to repeat, I think, but creating this bulge, uh, further disruption in, in the population age structure. What this bulge does is to work up through the age structure, uh, causing problems uh, wherever it arises. Problems here for maternity hospitals and, and, for, um, uh, and for overcrowded primary schools. And then it, it moves up, causing problems for, for youth unemployment. I mean, it could be ad an advantage if the economy can expand fast enough to absorb the extra workforce. It was difficult because the, the, the bulge was so big. One might liken this, uh, in terms of shape, um, to a, a fat python swallowing a goat. Um, here's the goat here, moving up the gut, as it were, uh, as it ages, um, and causing difficulties, indigestion, as it were, of a socioeconomic kind, uh, wherever it goes. Um, here is, here is uh, the, the goat uh, approaching retirement age in, in 2015, um, starting to, to provoke uh, an accelerated form of population ageing, um, and here it is in, in 2030, um, well established in, in, in retirement age and uh, adding to the reversal of, um, uh, of, of the ratio of, of people of productive age to people of, uh, of uh, consuming age who are retired. 
Um, and eventually, of course, uh, like all goats in pythons, it, it passes out of the system, uh, uh, classes up the pearly gates, and, and we have a, a more stable age structure of 2050, showing a transition from a, a Christmas tree of, of, of 1890 to a kind of coffin shape of 2050, rather appropriately so, because this population is, of course, also declining. Uh, that, that's a, a, a typical pattern of a low fertility uh, uh, country in, in, in uh, like Austria, where TFI is at 1.5 not like Northwest Europe. This is a, a different kind of, of evolution. Well, not like it's the same kind of evolution, but one which is less dramatic. Um, here's uh, the UK 2006, uh, still sitting in the middle of a, of a sort of demographic bonus. This bulge here from the baby boom is, is still in the, in the working ages, although the, the older working ages in 2006, in due course, it, it'll pass up to retirement age, of course, and reverse the advantage. Um, here it is in 2056, not quite as bad as the Austrian one, partly because the, uh, the fertility rate is, is, is here assumed to be continue higher than in Austria, partly because of, of, of migration, which, which helps to, to contribute this, this, this bulge here um, in these Middle Ages. So not all patterns are, are the same. Um, here's a severe case. This is an extreme example of population aging um, uh, in Japan. Um, very low birth rate, about 1.35 TFR, uh, very high expectation of life, the highest in the world of any national population, both conspiring uh, to make the Japanese population evolve from, from here, which is the year 2000, um, still quite favorable, uh, the, the, uh, still having the demographic bonus here. To, to here where the bonus has turned uh, into the onus and um, you have a very unfavorable lay structure. This, of course, is a typically pessimistic uh, Japanese projection. Uh, the Japanese projections invariably assume the TFR will remain fixed in concrete at about 1.35 for the foreseeable and even unforeseeable future. I think it's very unrealistic. Nonetheless, that's the pessimistic outlook. By the way, don't be fooled by this. Um, th th there isn't a, a particular concentration of, of individuals aged 100. Um, uh, the, the, the top age category of all these pyramids is an open-ended one. So this is the, the whole population aged 100 and above, not, 90, not a five-year one, it's a 15 or even 20-year one. That's why it sticks out in this unrealistic fashion. Don't be fooled by it. It's not real. It's, uh, it, it's cumulative. Uh, here's another, possibly even worse case, uh, population of Korea. So it's very rapid evolution from a traditional population age structure in, in, in 1960, very rapidly growing, uh, high TFR at that time, uh, through uh, the recent years, uh, the demographic bonus again, um, and here it is projected to, to 2040, <coughs> just uh, 28 years into the future, um, showing the movement of, of, of the bonus in, in, into old age. Again, a, a pessimistic projection, but uh, the TFR in Korea is, if anything, even, even lower, considerably lower than it is in Japan. What this means, of course, is that uh, in, in geopolitical terms, neighboring rival countries, if one can call India and China rivals, I think in many ways you can, uh, uh, because they've had demographic transition at different times, uh, will experience the bonus and the onus, if I can use these, these terms, at different, uh, 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 at, uh, different periods. Uh, and therefore, at any given point in time, one will have an advantage over the other. Um, here is China and India projected to 2050 uh, with their age structure. This is like a pyramid, half pyramid on its side, if you could rotate it by 90 degrees. You see here uh, the, the, the Chinese population in red, smaller birth cohorts coming along here, 
um, a, a peak of people about to move into, into retirement uh, and worsen the dependency ratio, already quite bad at 64 <coughs> in China. Um, here you are in India, uh, dependency ratio just uh, 49 um, in, in blue with, with uh, the, the majority of, of the population uh, in the, the, the working ages, smaller numbers of, of uh, youth dependents coming along because by that time it's projected the Indian birth rate would have fallen even further than it is at the moment. It's only just above replacement at the present time. Um, so far, not yet very many people in old age, so an advantage of an economic kind if it can be exploited in India uh, over China by 2050, <coughs> which may reverse the advantage which uh, those two countries currently have on the world economic and political scene. It doesn't take too much imagination to see there are lots of difficulties arising out of population aging. Um, um, I don't want to exaggerate them. Uh, an awful lot of writing about population aging is devoted to gloom and doom and exciting tabloid headlines of, of economic disaster, which I don't believe in. Um, because these uh, tend to discount the possibility of any kind of adaptation uh, of, of the kind which human populations no are normally really rather good at. But more of that in a moment. But this is a list of the sorts of problems which uh, uh, quite logically follow from, from population aging. Um, um, the dependency ratio of, of the elderly goes up. There is a relief from a lower level of youth dependency, but it's generally reckoned as a very coarse rule of thumb that an elderly dependent um, is about three times as expensive as a youth dependent. Uh, this is a, a, a controversial estimate, but it's, that's a, a very frequently used rule of thumb. And, and so there's not, there's, there isn't a perfect compensation. Uh, the, the, the reduction of youth dependency doesn't compensate for the increase uh, in uh, old dependency for this reason. This is generally thought to affect the economy because the productive part of the population, that which is in work, generating uh, uh, money, uh, paying taxes, is, is relatively diminishing compared to that part of the population which is uh, uh, spending money uh, and, and receiving welfare uh, to various different degrees. Uh, that goes hand in hand with a, with a, a relative labour shortage, either an absolute one or a relative one. Um, uh, increased need for care arrangements for the elderly, uh, adequacy of pension provisions, particularly as we'll see if they're based on a pay-as-you-go system uh, where money is taken out of the pockets of workers and uh, put into the pockets of pensioners. If the numbers of workers is going down relative to the number of pensioners, then of course pension systems on a pay-as-you-go system start to become insolvent. You've either got to increase the contributions from workers, reduce the pension entitlement of pensioners, or, or, or both. And these, neither of these things are ever popular, as we will see in a little while. Just a brief reminder of, of, of the dependency ratios, how they're calculated, perhaps an unnecessary reminder. Um, the total dependency ratio is, is, is merely the, the, the population of notionally dependent age, 0 to 14 uh, and 65 and over, divided by the population of notionally working age, 15 to 64, times 100. These are um, uh, traditional uh, boundaries. They're uh, no longer realistic. Many people don't enter the workforce until their 20s. Uh, until recently, many have retired before age 60. Uh, the uh, Eurostat, for example, uses the, the boundaries 20 to 59 uh, as working age population. This, and also remember, these are nominal. This is a demographic calculation. It's not an economic one. One always has to remember that if you're making an, an economic calculation, um, that uh, quite a lot of, of, of the people of nominal working age are not, in fact, working. Quite a lot of, of, of them are retired. And also, to some extent, quite a lot of people of nominal retirement age aren't retired, um, uh, like me, for example. More interesting, I think, is the, uh, the, the number at the bottom here, uh, the, the aged potential support ratio. 
these are just some very different age structures from, from Yemen, UK, Italy in uh, 2025, Italy <coughs> 2050. Um, the, um, the problem of dependency in the Yemen, of course, is a youth dependency because almost half the population is aged, not, aged under age 15. Uh, the problem in, in Italy is, is an elderly, an elderly um, uh, dependency because in 2025, reckoned to be about 26%, by 2050, uh, projected to be 36%. Um, I think the more intuitively useful way of, of, of looking at dependency is to reverse the dependency ratio, turn it upside down, and look at the number of people of nominal productive age that are per pensioner. Uh, and so you get a figure like this. In, in, in Yemen, it's astronomical. There are 21 people of nominal working ages uh, for every pensioner. God knows how many are working, and God knows how many are getting a pension. But that's a different matter. Uh, in the UK, it's about four at the present time, four people of nominal working age uh, for every uh, person of nominal pensionable age. And that's par for the course for uh, European countries at the present time. Going down, um, in, 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 um, in the case of Italy, to 2.5 by 2025 to 1.4 by 2050. So an, exa an example of the projected uh, severity of population aging in a low fertility country. I've dealt with that already. What's going to happen to this potential support ratio? Well, of course, it depends upon the future pattern of fertility, mortality, and migration. Here are some projections made by the Government Actuaries Department based upon slightly old uh, demographic parameters. <coughs> for those are 1998, uh, not, not current, but th it illustrates the point. Um, the, the fat black line is their central projection of the potential support ratio going down from the just over four, which I mentioned uh, uh, um, earlier on, uh, down to a stable level of about uh, 2.5, uh, approximately 2.5. 2 um, uh, note, as I said before, that the population aging doesn't go on forever. It goes on for about 40 or 50 years and then will stabilize other things being equal. These colored lines on, e on each side of the, uh, of the, the, um, the, the black, fat black line indicate uh, what will happen given the application of the, the government actuaries department's assumptions about different levels of fertility, migration, and mortality. This one here in red is high fertility and high migration, for example, improving uh, the support ratio because, uh, of course, it means that, that, that uh, there are more people of, of, of working age. Here is low fertility and low migration, a rather, a rather less favorable support ratio arising for uh, the, the, the reverse reasons. Naturally, different levels of fertility generate different levels of, of future support ratio. Uh, these two uh, bars here uh, show the, the support ratio in the year 2000 in pale blue, the support ratio in the year 2050 in, 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 in a, a dark maroon color for UK, France, Germany, uh, Spain, and Italy. These data aren't quite up to date, but they, they give some uh, basic picture of the, of, of the change which is likely as a consequence of the different birth rates in these different countries, primarily the different birth rates, although in, in due course, of course, uh, as birth rates have stabilized, um, improvements in, in survival will become more and more important. As you see, with the exception of Italy, they all start off at about four. Um, uh, on this projection, going down to 2.6 <coughs> in the UK, 2.1 in the case of France, 2 in Germany, 1.5 in Spain, and 1.45 in Italy. These aren't quite current anymore, but they give you a, a, a picture of the, of the sort of level of difference which one can expect. And generally speaking, lower birth rates bring more severe aging. Here is a graph showing uh, the... Uh, 
projected support ratio in 2060, according to the United Nations, uh, uh, compared with the total fertility rate in 2010, the present time. As you can see, generally speaking, uh, the, the higher the TFR, uh, the more favorable the support ratio. Here's Belgium, Netherlands, USA, Norway, France, UK. Down here, we've got South Korea, Japan, Italy, uh, Poland, Germany, the usual suspects, in fact. Uh, we can forget that. Can we solve population aging? The brief answer is no, we can't, for reasons um, um, expressed right at the beginning, that only by going back to, to uh, uh, traditional population age structures involving quite disagreeable levels of mortality and fertility can we uh, uh, solve population aging. Uh, that would not be desirable. We can manage it, uh, we can moderate it, uh, we can't solve it. I think it's quite important to keep that uh, f firmly in mind. Um, First of all, about immigration. It's clear that migration does moderate population aging. Um, uh, as long as most migrants are moving into um, that part of the population which is uh, of working age. Typically speaking, uh, this, this is correct. Uh, in, in most countries receiving migrants, most migrants are um, um, on average about age about 35 or so, uh, or, or 30. Um, they are younger than the average age of the population into which they are moving. There are a few exceptions. Um, the, the, the movement of retired people from Germany and England into the Costa Geriatrica in Spain, of course, makes that population older. But that's rather an unusual uh, kind of circumstance, not not normal. So migration can moderate a population aging. Can it solve it? Well, um, unfortunately, it can't, despite some excitement generated by a very famous United Nations publication in 2000, which we set the world ablaze with, with stories of uh, Europe needing 14 million new migrants a year in order to save itself from population aging. The problem is, of course, that migrants themselves age. What it can do is to... Um, without too much difficulty, is to stop population declining. Um, here are projections by Eurostat uh, showing uh, various different European countries um, um, their population change between 2008 and 2055, over half a century or so, um, with migration and without migration. Again, please remember these are only projections, but this, th th these are the, uh, the implications of what would happen if the assumptions turn out to be correct. Um, the, the blue bars are the, the, the present uh, of projected population change, either increase uh, above the line, decrease below the line, uh, with migration. Um, the dark bars are the percent projected population uh, change, uh, uh, increase above the line, decrease below the line, without migration. As you can see, with migration, uh, Norway, UK, Sweden, Spain, uh, France, Denmark, Finland, Netherlands, and even Italy in increase uh, somewhat, in the case of it, not very much. Um, Germany declines, even, no matter how much migration you get, it seems. Um, uh, Germany will, will, will decline even with migration, and Italy is on, on, the, on the cusp. Without migration, um, Norway increases, uh, UK increases a bit, uh, Sweden not much, uh, France increases. Um, all the others decline because their, their, their birth rates are assumed to remain low. And so migration can stop population uh, decline uh, at, at an appropriate level. Of course, it does mean the population coming in is different from the population which is there, and it will mean eventually uh, replacing that population in the very long run if the birth rate doesn't increase. So that's a, a different story. This is the, the reason why uh, migration typically um, helps to moderate population aging. This, um, these hollow bars are the age structure of, of migrants into Europe around about um, uh, 2008. This is the population age structure of, of the overall EU population. 
Please note, these are percentages. These are not absolute numbers. Um, the number of migrants coming into Europe is not colossal compared with the population of, of, of working age in Europe. This is just a percentage distribution showing uh, the, the, the way in which migration, generally speaking, has this uh, favorable effect upon uh, population aging. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, 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 migrants age. You can see this aging happening in the, in the Indian population age structure here from 2001 in the UK, not yet in the Pakistani population where the birth rate uh, remains, remains higher. A previous Home Secretary um, said he saw no further limits to immigration uh, because this was at a time when migration was being encouraged. This is the effect, um, based on some calculations by the Government Actuaries Department, about the effect upon the UK population, sorry, potential support ratio of migration at different levels. Here is the, the fat black line that I showed you before, going down from four at uh, the present time, roughly speaking, to about two and a half. That was on the assumption of 95,000 migrants per year. If you jack that up at ten times for a million migrants per year and in net terms, then indeed you, you boost the support ratio for a bit, uh, up to five, not much, um, in a few years' time, then it, it goes down inexorably and starts converging with, with the original uh, projection. Um, even a million migrants a year uh, doesn't uh, solve the problem. This is the annual immigration which you would require uh, to keep the UK population support ratio, population support ratio at, at, at 4.1 um, um, in, in millions up for the rest of the, of the century. Um, as you see, it, it is highly variable because of the fluctuation of the age structure. Um, it, it averages just over 1 million per year by mid-century. And then it goes to much higher levels, peaking at about 5 million per year but by the end of the century, with very considerable consequences of population size. Um, the red line here shows the consequence of population size of that level of migration, uh, which will keep the PSR um, at uh, about 4.1. As you can see, it would take the population from about uh, 63 million at the present time to um, this is hmm, about 120 million by mid-century. This is 306 million by the end of the century, and as you can see, it's increasing exponentially um, uh, at, at to very, very high levels indeed, and, and would, uh, has already almost uh, overtaken the population of the U.S. and would enable us, of course, with that many people to do all sorts of things we can't do by ourselves. Uh, with 306 million people, we could invade Iraq all by ourselves, for example, but it might not be very nice to have a population where the population density was six times the present level. The reductive ad absurdum of this was calculated by the United Nations in that 2000 publication. What they calculated was um, what would be the consequences of migration sufficient to keep the um, support ratio in the Republic of Korea at the, at the, the then high level. Uh, and the answer uh, would be that we'd all have to pack our bags and go there because it would take more than six billion people to move to Korea by mid-century in order to preserve the support ratio. And that probably isn't going to happen. Likewise, can fertility solve population aging? Once again, it can moderate it, as in the case of, of, uh, of immigration, but it can't solve it. Um, if the uh, replacement total fertility, which I think is about the, the most you can expect uh, given modern levels of mortality, would raise the PSR to about three, no, it's not, not, not uh, uh, unfavorable. And without, without migration, there'd be no population growth, which I think would be a bonus. If you wanted to preserve the PSR of four, you'd have to increase the TFR to three and a half. Ladies in England and France and uh, the US have to have three and a half babies each um, 
uh, which I think is probably not be regarded as being very desirable. And, of course, it would generate almost 2% population growth per year, a, a, a bit like the, 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 the migration assumption. So neither of those options is, is, um, um, uh, is possible. It seems to me that the, there are aspects of the fertility increase are uh, easier to manage uh, than the migration increase, but neither of them will actually solve the problem. Um, we can probably avoid that. Uh, I think I've made these points already. I regret to say, um, given my profession, that demography in this matter is not everything. There are many, many other highly important aspects uh, of, of uh, uh, the social and economic structure of countries and their politics, um, as well as the, the, the demography, which affects population aging and the impact of population aging. This is an impact of the, uh, uh, an estimate rather, of the vulnerability to population aging of various different countries, estimated by Jackson and Howe uh, in the, from the CSIS think tank in Washington, D.C., as you see published in, in 2003. What they did was to look at the, the, the demography at the current and the projected level of population aging arising out of assumptions about birth and death rates, as we dealt with already. And, and then they also looked at the uh, various other aspects of, 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 um, uh, of the population, the extent to which the elderly had savings, uh, the extent to which, uh, uh, to which the retirement age w w was high or low, the extent to which the, the solvency of the, uh, of the, um, um, the, uh, the country's pension schemes were high or low, the extent to which to which um, um, the pension schemes required, required support from general taxation, as in Italy, which, of course, makes the country more vulnerable, as we've seen uh, in the Euro crisis. Um, and they created this, this pattern here, which, which showed rather gratifyingly um, the English-speaking world being, being at the top in terms of low levels of vulnerability um, and various other countries at, at different le levels, levels below, and these being in, in the kind of danger area. And rather curiously, when you take into consideration these, these aspects of retirement age, of, of uh, fiscal solvency, <coughs> of, of, of the form of pension, of the, the extent which people save for their old age, and so on, then um, countries which you might have thought would have done well uh, because of their demography do badly, like France, for example, very favorable demography, very unfavorable a system of, of, of uh, high um, uh, peer-as-you-go pension costs, um, uh, Japan, uh, which has got very unfavorable demography, uh, does much better than you would expect because of its high propensity to save uh, late retirement uh, and other aspects of, of, of Japanese uh, uh, culture and social habits. What this leads to, of course, is, is the um, realization that population aging can be managed as long as birth rates aren't too disastrously low by all kinds of uh, changes to workforce participation um, and uh, retirement age uh, and productivity. And the idea that these will not happen seems to be highly unrealistic. One sometimes thinks when presented with disaster scenarios in the papers about population aging um, uh, <coughs> that... that um, um, it's assumed that no further rational uh, decision-making is possible on the part of the human species uh, or its individuals or its governments. It's as though, it, it's as though um, uh, a person should be driving a car in broad daylight along, uh, along a, a clear road and sees in front of him a big sign saying, danger, uh, um, uh, cliff ahead, turn right. And instead of taking the steering wheel and, and, and doing the obvious thing, which is turn right, uh, he carries straight on, smashes the billboard and goes over the cliff. 
That's the kind of assumption on which disaster scenarios and population ageing are, are based. That there'll be no increase in retirement age, no increase in workforce participation, no increase in labour productivity, that, that no possibility of, of, of adjustment through market forces, rational decision-making, the price mechanism and all the rest uh, will, will, will occur, which of course it will occur, although sometimes with, with considerable pain. Um, of these possibilities, um, the most efficient one is increasing the average age of retirement. Because what that does, of course, uh, if people uh, uh, cease working later, is to reduce the, 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 the uh, dependent part of the equation and at the same time increase the productive part of the equation. So you, you get a, a, double, a double effect. Uh, and it can, one can see that, that um, uh, the, the, the uh, retirement age has really quite an impressive effect upon calculated levels of, of, of population uh, dependency. Um, productivity is, is, is going to be an important change as well, and may well follow naturally. If workers become relatively scarce, then the, the rational um, response by, by employers and capitalists ought to be uh, to improve the ratio of capital to labor uh, to increase, increase productivity, in, in other words, um, which would be a beneficial thing to, to happen anyway, because uh, Europe has got rather low productivity compared to other parts of the industrial modern world. Uh, the increase in productivity required to compensate for population aging is nonetheless quite high. Uh, at the moment, productivity increases by something like 2 or 2.5% two per year. The European Commission calculated that an annual increase of productivity of an additional 0.6% will be required to compensate for the costs of, of population aging. Um, that may seem like a small number. It's 0.6% compared with, say, 2.5%, which in percentage terms of the increase, of the, of the total rather, is, is really rather a lot. Um, I think I've discussed uh, all of this. If we could increase the um, uh, labour force of the EU15 um, uh, by applying Danish participation rates to the whole of the EU15 area, that's the traditional uh, European Union, uh, then you would add 32 million people to, to the workforce, which is calculated to be the deficit which, which is likely to arise by 2050. Um, you can only do that once, of course. You can't get more than 85% workforce participation rate. But that shows a, an, another approach to moderating the effect of ageing. Now, where you can get the whole of the European Union um, in, in the south of Spain, in, in the Algarve, um, uh, or even in parts of uh, the UK, uh, to work like Danes and retire like Danes is a different matter. Nonetheless, that's what would happen uh, if it were possible. This is what happens to the UK uh, potential support ratio with higher retirement ages. The, the fat black line is, is the one we saw before, uh, the, the support ratio going from 4.1 to 2.5. <coughs> If retirement uh, is increased to 68, which is this uh, purpley line here, then the PSR uh, is, is uh, improved to, to just over 3. It, it can't go back uh, to, to 4.1, but 3 is a good deal better than 2.5. If retirement is at 72, which of course is a lot more than, uh, than the present time, it's 10 years uh, older than the current actual retirement age, then uh, the, the, the PSR indeed remains at, at, um, at 4.1. Um, that's a long way off. One will not, most people, some people do work to 72 and beyond, um, uh, but most people would not want to do so. Um, it's no longer beyond uh, the, the calculus of conscious choice, as it were. Just recently, the Swedish Labour Minister was cited as saying that, that retirement age will have to go to 70 in, in, in due course in order to compensate for population ageing to some extent. Uh, and so what was previously fantasy may well not be uh, in due course. No. Yes. Um, 
the actual age of retirement at the moment is worthwhile keeping in mind. These blue bars show um, uh, the, the age of retirement uh, in the middle of, of the last uh, decade. It's now somewhat higher. Uh, this, is, this is 55, 60, 65, and 70. And you can see this is Mexico, Korea, Ireland, Iceland, Japan, New Zealand, uh, Israel, and Portugal have quite high uh, retirement ages uh, in reality. The blue dot is the official pension entitlement age for, for, for the, uh, the Pejugo State Pension. And you can see that in, in some cases people uh, work longer than the official retirement age, particularly in, in, in Japan and Korea and Iceland. In other cases, they, uh, they, they still retire earlier. And over here we have the potential casualties, where uh, the official retirement age is about 65, or in some cases lower. It's lower here in, in France. It was 60 at the time this, this graph was, was produced. Um, and uh, all these countries here, are, are people here are, are retiring earlier than the official retirement age, uh, and also here. This is, this is, uh, um, this is uh, Greece, Finland, Germany, Spain, Poland, Italy, Hungary, Slovak <coughs> Republic, Belgium, France, Austria, and Luxembourg. Really, um, so you can see where, where the vulnerability lies. Important to have a brief word uh, about pensions. I've been speaking mostly so far about pay-as-you-go pension. This is the normal system of pension applying on the continent, where uh, the, the, the state, uh, only the state can run pay-as-you-go pension schemes, uh, confiscates money, takes money by, by taxation. Uh, in our case, it's called national insurance, out of the pockets of workers and trans transfers it via bureaucrats into the pockets of pensioners. Um, a very simple, uh, cheap to administer system, which is perfectly fine as long as the age structure isn't changing. And when those systems were, were invented, of course, many decades ago, the age structure was quite favorable, and pay-as-you-go pension schemes worked fine. Two problems. One is they're highly vulnerable to changes in the age structure arising out of population aging, for reasons which are entirely obvious. Secondly, um, because they're government control, there's a powerful moral hazard in the sense that governments are strongly inclined, uh, when it comes to election time, to, to start promising about increasing pensions, because the pensions are, as it were, in their gift. And what they, what they have tended to do quite often uh, is to say, we will, we will increase the pension by X without saying to the workers, we will increase your contributions by Y because the, the former gets them votes and the latter would lose them votes. Uh, and that is one, one of several reasons why uh, pension systems of this kind are, n are often nominally insolvent, um, because the liabilities are considerably greater th th than the, the current and projected uh, payments coming into, into the scheme. That means they've got to be funded from, from general taxation. That reduces the amount of tax money for other purposes, uh, and it means that borrowing has to go up, and that's part of the problem of the Eurozone crisis. Um, the other side of it is uh, occupational or other kinds of funded schemes whereby money is, is, is contributed either by uh, a self-employed person entirely by themselves to a pension pot um, or, in the case of occupational pensions, uh, contributed both by the employee and by the employer. That used to be the, the normal deal in the Anglo-Saxon countries um, where the pay-as-you-go system, the, the state pension, is only a kind of top-up. That's generally regarded as much more favorable, despite the fact that, of course, it does include management charges and does mean that the investments into which the, uh, on which the pot is based are naturally vulnerable to economic change because they're in the stock exchange, uh, in, in shares, in, in, in government debt, various things of, of that type. Um, um, 
those have fallen on evil days in, in, in the last uh, decade or so, partly because of, of, of uh, uh, turmoil in stock exchanges, uh, partly because in this country of tax raids by the previous government on, on, on uh, the tax relief available to pensions, um, and partly because actuaries consistently underestimated uh, the extent of, of survival in older age. That's had a bad effect on pay-as-you-go schemes. It's also had a bad effect on funded schemes. So what was, in, in the case of the UK, uh, a highly enviable, very favourable system of, of, um, uh, of, uh, of pension system from funded schemes is, is now very much less desirable. And uh, if you read the papers on the matter, you'll see that there's very considerable disquiet about the level which, <coughs> which people are no, no longer saving in a way which may be adequate uh, to pay for their, um, their, their retirement. So there's a, a problem there. Um, uh, and, and reform is certainly needed but difficult. Um, and in particular, whatever happens, uh, retirement age has really got to go up and, and keep pace to a considerable extent with uh, the increase in expectation of life at birth. That is being tried in many, many European countries. It invariably encounters uh, serious opposition of an understandable kind, but uh, in, in, in the end of the day, uh, um, um, a short-sighted kind. Now, this is just an illustration of, of the way in which um, uh, of funded pensions um, assets um, have, have fallen below their liabilities in, in, uh, uh, in recent years. It was, it, they were fine up to about 10 years ago, uh, and now the liabilities, the, the projected cost of paying out pensions to existing um, contributors has, has gone up, uh, and, and the value of the assets has, has gone down, um, and, and therefore they're, 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 they're no, in many cases no longer technically solvent. Well, this is what happens when you try and put up pension age. Uh, this is 2008. You'll have seen um, uh, more excitements on your telly last night where, as, as part of a reform package, um, a protest against reform package, 50 buildings were burnt in, in the centre of Athens, although that was not just a question of, of uh, pension and welfare. Um, here, here are some, here are some more, more, more recent ones. Um, uh, protests against uh, austerity. Uh, here is um, Italy protesting against pension and retirement reform back in 2004, uh, a, a general strike. Um, uh, here is France. In France, of course, protesting against government decisions is, 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 is a normal part of politics. Uh, and you, you can see what, what's going on here. Uh, the people here aren't actually dead. There are people waiting in the, in the departure lounge of Charles de Gaulle Airport for the airline pilots and traffic control people graciously to return to work in one of the more recent strikes against pension entitlement. And this is in a country where the pension age is, is, is 60, not 65, which it ought to be. Um, and uh, this is a, a protest of last year. Uh, sorry, two years ago, arising uh, out of um, President Sarkozy's attempt to increase the pension age from a very, very low 60 to a fairly low 62. Um, and, and still the nation grinds to a halt, as usual, in protest. Uh, Germany, likewise, slightly more decorous, if grumpy, uh, protest going on uh, against the socialist government's attempts to reform pension uh, in, in their so-called Agenda 2010. Um, uh, and eventually, of course, people may forget uh, all these things as population ageing really takes a grip. Um, but that's perhaps a little way off. So... Um, in conclusion, just to remind you that there's no solution. It can be managed. It's not, I think, going to be a disaster as long as birth rates remain reasonably uh, high or, or can be encouraged to become reasonably high. Um, and uh, as long as rational uh, um, um, systems of, of, of improvement in pension or increase in pension age, work force participation, um, uh, pension reform and so on are implemented. Um, this seems to me something which will follow naturally from, from the rational behaviour of, of governments, which are sometimes rational, and also I individuals. 
Um, some parts of Europe are much more uh, affected by population aging than others because of a very unfavorable combination in southern Europe and in East Asia of um, uh, very low fertility, uh, very long, long life, particularly in Italy and, and, and Japan. Uh, in the case of southern Europe, also traditional um, high levels of, of uh, early retirement, uh, low levels of, of uh, uh, official pension age until recently, um, and very high levels of, of compensation rate, whereby the official uh, uh, pension was up to 80% uh, of average wage, which is not an affordable level and has to come down. Hence, uh, the, uh, the pain of adjustment, that pain will, will pass, uh, and uh, I, I'm reasonably optimistic about, about the future, given rational changes of the kind that I've outlined here. Thank you.